Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 20, 22 this evening. I, um, I have no qualms or problems about letting you know that I won't be preaching super long like I ever do, but especially tonight because I really, really want you to have plenty of time to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. We'll give you some instructions at the end of the service. Um, so I, I love that our church does this from time to time. As, as I was growing up, I attended a different kinds of churches where the Lord's Supper was, was done on a, on a weekly basis, and I felt like it didn't mean a whole lot. I remember as a lost teenager observing people laughing and cutting up during the Lord's Supper, and I always, even as a lost person, I thought this should be a sacred time. It should be something pretty special. Um, it's not that it's a, a funeral service, but it's technically a memorial service, you know, we are, we are honoring the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross. And uh, when I got here many years ago, we had it the traditional way, first Sunday of every month or the fifth Sunday night of each month, uh, or when, uh, the fifth Sunday night, whenever it fell on a fifth Sunday, we did it then. Um, so it was averaged out to be about once a month. Um, and then we did it the same way we always did the deacons, passed out the plates and all that. But several years ago, you know, we started it where we just wanted to really make it as personal as possible, just where you could really meditate and reflect on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Um, I heard a preacher say not too long ago that the root of many Christians' problems today, whether it's sin, gossip, critical spirit, complaining, can be traced back to the fact that we don't appreciate Calvary like we should. And uh, the Christian that, that adores Calvary and appreciates Calvary and reflects on Calvary and loves Calvary um, is gonna be a different kind of Christian than everybody else. Notice I didn't say better, I just said different. In a good way different because it just changes your whole outlook and mindset on things. Much of this world has never heard the gospel one time and we've heard it over and over again. So when we get to set aside a day like this, I hope even throughout the day you thought about it and prepared your heart for it because it's such a, a blessing to be a part of the Lord's Supper. Tonight I'll like to speak briefly on I'm, I'm thankful for this hour. Thankful for this hour. I think we have a slide for it, but I'm thankful for this hour. I want you to take your Bibles there in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 14. Jesus does something pretty amazing here in this passage. He, uh, he has what they call the Lord's Supper with his disciples. In verse number 14, the Bible says, And when the hour, notice that, was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof, until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also after the cup, also the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. If you jump down a few verses, you go down to verse number 53 of the same chapter. Not long after this verse, Peter's going to deny Jesus Christ. We know that many of you are familiar with that story. But you see that phrase again, hour. And Jesus is arrested and they take him and bring him to the high priest's house. According to verse 54, Peter falls afar off. And they kindle a fire, verse 55. And of course, you get into the denial of Peter. Luke chapter 23 is the crucifixion chapter. And then Luke chapter 24 is the resurrection chapter. But notice the statement that Jesus says in verse 53 when he is speaking to those that are going to arrest him. Watch what he says here. When I was daily 
with you in the temple. He stretched forth no hands against me. Notice the statement here, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. This is your hour and the power of darkness. I preached a message on this years ago, but I, I, when I travel, a lot of times I like to listen to podcasts, especially if a new one comes out where they interview a Navy SEAL. And they asked a Navy SEAL one time how he got through what they call Hell Week. And he said that the Navy, that week of Hell Week, the end of Bud's training when they finally passed to become a Navy SEAL, that Hell Week training, he said they have to feed us every six hours. Most of them will only sleep an average of two hours for the whole week, or, or at least for the first four or five days. They get very minimal sleep. Anytime they start to doze off, they wake them up and continue to do the, uh, the mental toughness training and all that stuff. But he said he, they always fed us every six hours. And so he said, I, I always, always say to myself, I just got to make it six more hours. He didn't look at six days. He didn't look at seven days. He didn't look at the end line. He just said six more hours, six more hours, six more hours. I think many times in life, we I find ourselves in that situation. And it may be in something as light as sitting in the chair of a dentist. Some people like going to the dentist. I, I don't mind it so much, but nobody likes it when you have to go there to because you have a cavity or because they gotta numb your mouth and then you gotta talk funny for the next eight hours and then you gotta drool on yourself and, and then there's smoke coming out of your mouth and thank God for dentists, but nobody gets really excited about it. Nobody marks it on their counter and says, Yes, today's the day I get a root canal. But thank God you always know that that hour eventually is going to be over. And you're going to eventually leave the office. And eventually your numbness is going to go away. And you're going to get back to being able to eat and chew and everything's fine. There's something about the power, the concept of an hour. And many times in our life, we are the beneficiaries because of somebody else's hour that they endured. I'm here today because my mama sitting in the front row one time endured an hour to bring me into this world. Now, for 48 years, I've been able to live because my mama endured that hour. We're here still in a free country because there was an hour one time when over 50 men signed a document risking everything they had, all their wealth, their families, everything they had, they risked that to sign a document letting England know that we are going to be declaring our independence from your country. And a five-year battle ensued and followed after that declaration. We are still the the beneficiaries of freedom many years later because of the hour that they went through. As you think about the soldiers down through the ages, World War I, World War II, and many other wars, even up to current conflicts, we still live in a free country because of the hours of somebody else. When history closes its final chapter, when everything's all said and done, there'll be no hour I'm more grateful for than the hour that Jesus Christ endured. Jesus says to his disciples, this is a special hour. This hour that we're about to go through is an hour that nobody would ever want to endure. And frankly, nobody could endure. Nobody was qualified or even could touch the hem of the garment of the one that could endure this particular hour. Nobody would have even presented the proper resume for this particular hour because this hour of judgment Justice and suffering could only be placed upon one applicant, and he gladly volunteered it so that you and I could have a church service tonight, so that you and I can have the hope of heaven, so that you and I can make it through our many multiple hours of difficulty in life, so that you and I can see the sunshine after the rain, so that you and I can smile after the pain, 
and so that you and I can experience personal salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ faced his hour. Jesus Christ signed that document. Jesus Christ sat in that chair. Jesus Christ picked up his weapon and went to war. And Jesus Christ went and embraced and faced this hour that really nobody understood, including the enemy himself, except him, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Jesus Christ endured this hour for you and for me. And as you study on down through this passage here, this the scriptures here, it's just, it's amazing how much we take for granted in this whole thing. If you look at Luke chapter 23, the Bible talks about his suffering. Verse 2, it talks about how they begin to accuse him. Verse 3, he's now standing before Pilate, one of the most powerful men alive in that day. And the Bible talks about how Pilate even found no fault in him. Even Pilate, the one that was typically judging in such matters, said there's nothing wrong with this man. And of course, verse 5 says the people were more fierce and this is all a part of his hour. This is his hour. It's not an hour you and I had to endure. It's not an hour that you and I ever had to go through. It's not an hour you and I ever had to brace. It's not an hour that you and I ever had to suffer. It's not an hour that anything you and I would ever have to go through. In fact, we are the direct beneficiaries, not indirectly even, direct beneficiaries of this hour that Jesus Christ did for you and me. The Bible says in verse number 8, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad because he desires to see him of a long season. He was he was even thrilled to see him. And Herod and Pilate are like, man, this, this man, this rabble rouser, this well-known man that's been registering on everybody's radar. And the Bible says they questioned him in many words, verse number 9. And the chief priests and scribes stood and accused him in verse number 10. And the Bible talks about how he was mocked in verse number 11. And he put him in a gorgeous robe. And as you read on down through this passage, you see all the different things that began to happen to him. Matthew 26 talks about it, the scourging that he went through. And we know that Barabbas is released in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 27, Barabbas is released in his place. You see that in verse number 18. And then the Bible says that Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus in verse 20. Again, he says, let me release them. But the Bible says in verse 21, but they cried again, saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Again, why? Because this was his hour. This was Jesus's hour. There was other times when it seemed like he'd be arrested. There was other times when he could have been caught. There was other times when it could, but that wasn't the hour. This was the hour. This was the appointment that only Jesus Christ could face. This was his hour. This was the hour of darkness. This is when Satan finally got to sit on his temporary throne and, and, and order and execution. And, and again, the question's asked, why? What evil hath he done in verse 22? And as you continue down to read down through the passage here, you just see how Jesus is going to bear the cross and go up to the, to the hillside and be laid on that cross and be crucified so that you and I can be saved. Verse 34, in the midst of that hour, Jesus makes this famous statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then you see down in verse number 36, the soldiers also mocked him. In verse 38, they put up uh, on, above his cross a superscription, this is the king of the Jews. They, they begin to ask him to save himself and us. They begin to challenge him to, to show his power, which he could have. You all are familiar with the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. And in the midst of all that, he still unselfishly saves the man hanging on the cross next to him in verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. In the midst of that hour, I want you to notice that statement. Boy, I really love this one. He asked Jesus just to remember him. Can I tell you, in that hour, he remembered us, church. 
He remembered us, even though it was 2,000 years later. The all-knowing, omniscient God, the King of kings, the Son of God, the creator of this universe, as he was hanging on that cross suffering, he remembered you and me, just as he remembered this man. In verse 43, Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour, and many believe that time of darkness is when God smote him, according to Isaiah 53, because the S-O-N became our S-I-N. Verse number 46, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. Even the centurion in verse 47 says, oh my goodness, he says, certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came to, together to that site, beholding the things that were done, smote their best and ret returned. And as you continue to study down through the passage, you finally see that he died and he gave up the ghost. Why? Because Jesus said, this is my hour. This is my hour. All of us in this room have had difficult hours in our life. Many of us in this room could testify that there's hours in our lives we would never want to live again. Hours that brought extreme grief, sorrow, heartache, heartbreak. And if we live any length, far, any length longer of time, we'll probably have more hours like that. And though I wrote, typically like to preach on the good hours, you all know your preacher, the ever optimist, I like to preach on the wonderful hours of the Christian life. Sometimes it's good to reflect on the hour of all hours. If he is the king of kings, and if he is the Lord of lords, and if he is the God of gods, then no doubt he had the hour of all hours. He endured it. And tonight, as best as we know how in our frail, mortal state, we look to heaven and just say humbly, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. When is the last time you were thankful for this hour? When's the last time we as a church corporately were thankful for this hour? Because of this hour, three men walked the aisle in church this recent. Because of this hour, people are getting saved in the prison ministry. Because of this hour, a young boy was baptized this past Sunday. Because of this hour, the seed project is starting to happen. Because of this hour, missions is going forth. Because of this hour, a deaf lady was saved this past Sunday morning. Because of this hour, on and on we can go. I mean, this hour that Jesus endured and faced for you and me shook eternity to its core. Tonight, we say thank you, Jesus. We have the hope of heaven now, the hope of the rapture. Mercy and grace is at our disposal every day because of this hour, this hour. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this evening.